Right. Good morning, good evening, and good night to everyone listening. Thank you for joining us on another episode of FPL Nations. My name is Dominic Terrell, and as always, I am very excited and happy to be here. Um, I have with me my co-host, Callum. How are you today, Callum? Oh, yeah. yeah, not too bad, thank you. I had a bit of a, a mixed week, but yeah, overall can't complain anymore. How about you? Yeah, I I had um one of those weeks where the players that I owned that scored big points played early in the game week. So for like the majority of the game week, I was sitting on huge, huge green arrows. I think at one point I had jumped to 50, 53k in my overall rank. Um, wow. But, you know, as a result of the Chelsea boys, the Liverpool boys, uh, that kind of level itself out. I still ended up in a green arrow though, so I am completely satisfied. Um, have no regrets. Um, I think we can start there. How? What was the? What were your reactions after having competed this game week? What are some things that you think went well for you? Didn't go as well. Um, things probably could have improved on. Yeah. So I started the week at thirty-three k. I think r- roughly around there. And the game week started absolutely terribly. I, I started off with, on Tuesday with, uh, in fact, I, yeah, it would have been Tuesday, uh, Ramsdale, oh, he was Wednesday, uh, Gwaihi, McGinn, Enteke, and Bernardo, I think, playing early on in the game week. And I'd come away with about, I think I was on about nine points coming into the final day. Mm. Uh, obviously that wasn't particularly good. I was sitting on a massive red arrow and things weren't looking good. Uh, then, yeah, the Chelsea boys came in, the Liverpool boys did well. Uh, obviously James got eight, Alexander-Arnold got 11. Alonso, very lucky, got uh, a clean sheet before he was subbed off. But I think he was subbed off and then um, their opponents scored. Uh, Jota got seven, Salah got eight. So overall, in the end, I got 60 points, which I think is slightly above average for the overall rankings. But in the community, in the top 10K, in, in the in the ranks that we're really worried about, the, the average was about 61, 62, something like that. And around my exact uh, overall rank, the average was 64, which is insane. So I ended up with a little red arrow. I dropped to 46k. Given the first uh, two days of fixtures, I can't really complain at just a 10k drop. It's it's not the end of the world, but obviously given that I wildcarded only a couple of weeks ago and the fact that I haven't been hit that badly with the COVID fixtures. I really had hoped for better results than what I got. I think uh, a lot of my points were taken away from a mistake that I made in my transfers this week. So in a a panic towards the end of the deadline, I got rid of Gundogan because there was news that he was going to be benched, which were true. He ended up getting benched for a really good game. But I bought in, I decided to, to downvalue my midfield and potentially what I should have done is upgraded him slightly or 
taken a hit when everyone else took a hit and maybe got in Foden and uh, Watkins. So so I decided to do Gundogan to McGinn. So I, I went with McGinn from Aston Villa because Aston, Aston Villa's fixtures look really good right now. Uh, John McGinn had got quite a lot of points over a period of fixtures that weren't exactly easy under Steven Gerrard. So I thought, okay, he's looking good. He's he's had some points in some bad fixtures. So now I'll bring him in for his really good fixtures. And he, uh, he got three. And I think Gundogan got, uh, what did he have got? Three, six. I think he got seven points. So I, I lost four points on that transfer. And what, what the other thing I was considering doing was Wilson to King or Wilson to Watkins. Um, Wilson to King would have been a bad move, although probably wouldn't have made any difference because I think he'd have stayed on my bench anyway. Uh, but Wilson to Watkins was the tra- the other transfer I was thinking of, and that probably lost me 11 points because Watkins scored 12. Um, so I was a bit disappointed that I didn't make the right call on the transfer. That was That was my fault, but... Yeah, obviously Bernardo Silva getting benched. Bowen didn't return. McGinn didn't return. Benteke got benched. Uh, Guayhi scored zero. Um, and Ramsdale, despite keeping a clean sheet, only got five points. It was a bit of a, a bit of a tough week, really, for the players who didn't perform. Uh, um, I was really hoping that Guayhi, because I've owned him since game week uh, fourteen, so. From game week 10, he scored um, 6 points, 7 points, 7 points, 9 points. Then I owned him and he scored 1 point, 1 point, 2 points, 0 points. <laughs> so, so I've got fairly unlucky with the, uh, the transfer of Gawaii in. And, you know, obviously some of the other ones I was considering may have done slightly better. Um, I'm still holding him because he's still got some good fixtures. He's still got... Norwich at home to come, Brighton to come, Tottenham who aren't exactly on fire at the moment to come, and West Ham who aren't on fire at the moment as well. So, you know, he's he's got some good fixtures coming up, so I will continue to hold him and Benteke until their fixtures turn orange, red, whatever comes first. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, obviously, the yeah, like I said, the Chelsea boys and the Liverpool boys managed to get me up the ranks or back up the ranks a little bit. I, th- I think... Obviously, a lot of people own those players. So a lot of people own James. A lot of people own Alexander-Arnold, Salah, Jota, Alonso. But there's not so many people who own all five All five of them. Um, that's, that would be probably considered a little bit of a differential because a lot of people either haven't got Jota, um, sold James, sold Alonso. So where I've kept them, it's probably increased my rank a little bit. Um, and just finally, I, I got knocked out of the uh, overall cup. Unfortunately, my opponent oh. got fifty. No, my opponent got sixty-five this week. Uh, mm. He had a double score from Saka and Smith Rowe and Edison, which uh, boosted his points up. And then we shared the Chelsea and Liverpool boys. He he had exactly the same players as I did. So yeah, over and he only had nine players playing as well because he had um. Dennis King, Ronaldo, and Regulon all didn't have a fixture, and Omar Bamadeli is was he injured? I think he's injured at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, ended, he beat me with nine players, which is 
65 points for nine players from my opponent is pretty good. So I'm out of the cup, but on to the England Cup next. How about your team? Yeah. Um. So I, I, I basically had the inverse of what Callum had, more or less, in that uh, when the game week started, I had an incredible start. So it's very interesting, the story behind us too. Um, so my transfer this week was Foden, was going from Rafina to Foden. And the only reason I did it was because I had a, <laughs> I had a feeling. Um, I guess as a Man City supporter, I, I have like these certain cues that I look for when it comes to formations and, and player selection and stuff. And I knew personally that once we're playing a team like Leeds, City is going to be able to attack really freely because they're going to be high pressing and Leeds have this man marking system. So once one player gets past or around their assigned marker, then they're immediately going to be opening up a lot more space because the other players around them are going to be man-marking whoever's around. So that's what really exposed Leeds today. And then obviously, their rock in the defensive midfield in Phillips wasn't there. And they really look a different team when he isn't there to stabilize the midfield because it was very open from the kickoff. But when I realized that Foden more, more than likely is going to start and the fact that we're playing a team like Leeds that's going to um, open up a lot of chances for City, City to attack. I did have the thought of going to Bernardo first, but when I thought about it, I sat down. And this is like 10 minutes before deadline because I really did wait until the last minute to ensure that I don't miss anything. Um, I realized that City's formation is going to change to where at least going forward, you're more than likely going to see Foden on the ball in an attacking area as opposed to Bernardo. Yes, I'm saying this with the complete knowledge that Bernardo missed almost a complete sitter, which is why I messaged Callum and said, told him to turn off your television because he might not like <laughs> to see that. Um, because that was a chance that should have at least given him um, five points because it was really a, a, just a, a tap-in. More or less, it wasn't like directly in front of the goal, but definitely something that Bernardo in this form expect to score. I mean, Bernardo in any form really you'd expect to score. But it didn't that, go in. That goal would have won me my min, uh, my cup tie as well. Because I, I was five Pretty points sure. behind and we've got the same number of goal scorers. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a bit it I I know for sure that I would have swung a lot of people's game week because a lot of people jumped on Bernardo for this week, especially considering the fixture. Um and the fact that he's been nailed consistently. But I just went to the feeling that um, Foden would be in and amongst the returns. I literally messaged Callum this too as I was making a transfer and I told him I have a feeling that Foden is going to be in the attacking returns. I have a feeling that Foden is going to be more attacking in his position than, than Bernardo and everything that I said came to pass and I felt like a wizard and I was like, yes, y'all need to listen to me from now on. Um, but no, it, <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. I was really happy to see that and the goalie squad wasn't even um, from an attacking um, sense of the word really because there was a wrong from Rodri, who, by the way, had like the most attacking first I've ever seen from him. I don't know what got into him, but people <laughs> were likening him up into Yaya Toure's position when he was playing for City, especially in his prime. Those maraudings from deep in central midfield. Um, but yeah, Rodri was in the penalty box at least three times within the first 30 minutes. Um, and one of those ends, he got tackled, I think, by the keeper and the ball rebounded out to Foden, who started at home. Dallas um, as well made a, a real meal of the clearance and literally kicked the ball in half and it squeezed it in. Um, and then he got an assist 
uh, former corner um, on Taaki, which is another reason why I bought him because I knew he would be on corners. Um, and he got an assist, a headed uh, assist to an uh, Ake header. So he ended up with 12 points. And the reason I'm happy with that also is because as a, as a non-Jota owner who sold him like two weeks ago, it would have either been Rafinha to Foden or Rafinha to Jota. And in the end, I picked Foden. So Foden overall got more points. So I'm not too disappointed in that pick. Um, obviously, looking at the fixture from Newcastle's point of view, I really should have um, noted that Jota probably would have scored in this. But looking at the COVID situation, I, I didn't want to risk having three players from one squad, especially not knowing who the COVID cases are and the identities are not known until after the game has started. So I really didn't want to risk having three players on one team and possibly losing all three because of COVID. And there's nothing really I could do because my bench wasn't really that strong either. So that was great. That started me off. I also had um, a clean sheet from Diaz who annoyingly got another yellow card. So he got a minus one point. Um, but, you know, still gave me the clean sheet. So that was 17 points, I believe, in the first first day from two players. And it got even better when, um, what was it, the Arsenal? Who did Arsenal play? I can't yeah, remember who Arsenal Right, West Ham. Um, and particularly because they kept a clean sheet to Ramsdale got me points. Don't don't ask me why Ramsdale is getting a yellow card for time wasting against ten men in the seventh seventieth minute. I don't know. Minus one point. Just completely ruined what could have been, you know, more points. Um, but he still got me the clean sheet and Smith Rowe came off the bench, thankfully. Um, and scored, which was great because that gave me six valuable points in the midfield. And it's also great justification to keep him because it was another really, really composed finish. And that's been his mantra since he's been playing for Arsenal. So it's, you know, good to see that he's continuing to return. So I don't have to rush to move him anytime soon. Um, so that was the continuation. I think I ended that those two days on 32 points. And at that point, I was looking at a massive green arrow. Something north of 40k places because I was nearing the top 50k um, because of those returns. But I knew that the fixtures on the last day, um, I would have seen some balancing out. In the end, I'm not too disappointed because I still ended up on a green arrow of probably 15k, which is great considering that I'm now in the top 100k and I know places are very, very, very tight. Um, but I moved up ranks from 94k to 79k around there. And I'm really not disappointed at all. I, I'm happy with the the week that I had. Um, I played also. I really did like do the entire week without strikers, really. Because Vardy's and Dennis's games were cancelled. So I didn't have any returns from them. And Wilson was benched for the majority of the game against Liverpool. So he only got me one point when he was subbed on. Um, so considering that, and considering that my bench consisted of a one point Wilson and zero points from Livermento and Omar Omar Bame Delhi, yeah, yes, um, we're done. You said that was perfect. <laughs> Appreciate it. I've been practicing. Um, yeah. Uh, to get how many did I end up on? Sixty-two, sixty-three points. Um, I will take that any day. I'm not. I'm not just sixty-two points. I'm not disappointed in that at all. And I was able to win my cup match, which was, and I told everybody this from the, from the time I saw it, um, was against somebody who triple captain Salah against Newcastle, which 
I don't, in terms of just an out from an outward perspective, um, he I could totally see why the person did that. Um, and probably if Salah stayed on, <laughs> he probably would have for more points. But thankfully, Newcastle scored, so that was three points wiped away because it would have been one point for the um, the clean sheet multiplied by three. And then because Salah didn't stay on and he didn't get a chance to anything else, he wasn't in the run running for many bonus points. So. Those are key points because I ended up only beating him, I think, by by three points or something like that, which definitely would have been eradicated had Salah continued on. And if Salah didn't play for the rumours that were going around, he triple capped, he tried vice triple captain uh, Martinez on seven points. So either one, either one would have killed me um, had one taken place. So I'm really grateful for those things to be happening. Um... Overall, a good week, and I'm just really looking forward to having another green arrow next week. Um, with that being said, though, as I already mentioned, Foden, big return. One of the people that we both were looking at to bring in was Watkins. You mentioned earlier that Aston Villa's um, fixtures are looking really good in the upcoming weeks. Um, would you care just to let us know what those fixtures are and how likely you think Watkins is to continue? Um, this form because I think you told me earlier that, that last week's haul was his biggest so far for the season. You think we can yeah. see some more performance like that in the future? Yeah, well, I think so. So, so his next few fixtures, and bear in mind this is a this is an, an eleven game span, so not all the fixtures are perfect. But obviously, you've got. <laughs> well, I say we've got a bench. Some of us have got a bench. Some of us not so lucky. Um, you can obviously bench him during certain more difficult fixtures um, and even maybe times if there's single and double game weeks coming up in game week 21 for example then obviously this this run of fixtures is just as it stands at the moment so he's got Burnley next um, then Chelsea you bench him for Chelsea uh, he goes to Leeds Brentford Manchester United you'd potentially bench him for um Everton, uh, Leeds again, Newcastle, Watford, Brighton, Southampton. So that that set of 11 fixtures, you know, bar the Chelsea and the Manchester United fixture, is a really good fixture run of nine games. Well, it's 11 games, but the, yeah, you might take, take the two out. You might bench him for, and you've got nine games there who are bottom of the table sides or no him. In fact, Brentford are doing okay, but they're still conceding a lot of goals. So most of these are teams who concede a lot of goals. Yeah, that that's that's his fixture one. And for me, if he can score two past Norwich, and you know Norwich haven't looked too bad recently, they've actually looked pretty good under Dean Smith since he's come in defensively. I, I don't see any reason why he can't score against the likes of two lots of Leeds, a Burnley, uh, a Watford, and a Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? I, f- I feel like those are really good fixtures for him. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, because that's actually one of the reasons why I didn't buy Watkins originally. Uh, because they they were playing a Norwich team that had really shown themselves. Um, I don't know what you what you want to say. Like, show themselves very very capable of keeping out some of the best attacks. I think they held Manchester United just to a penalty goal in a game that they probably should have been at least um scorers in, from what I heard. Um. Mm. And yeah, so in terms of other good performers, what do you think about the performances from Liverpool's boys? 
and Chelsea, as you both mentioned. Yeah, so I haven't had a chance, obviously, with the quick turnarounds, I haven't had a chance to actually watch the games back, um, which I will probably be doing tomorrow in, in sort of my free time. I I know as much as the Liverpool boys just continue to produce points, there's they're, they're, the way they're attacking over the past, well, sorry, for the whole season, really, has just been producing mass points. If you're not... And actually, I think you're not. If you're not on triple Liverpool at this point, I'm I'm surprised because I think even... In fact, we should probably mention Avcon at some point as well because I believe that's been called off. But um, if you're not on triple Liverpool at the moment, then now's the time to be on them because they just produce week in, week out, every single week. Um, Chelsea boys, and yet again, surprisingly, even against... Who do they play? Everton. They didn't keep a clean sheet. And this is an Everton side who are missing uh, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. So they haven't even got a well-known striker. I think they played one of their academy graduates up front and they still managed to score. So it's not looking good for Chelsea defence at the moment. And Chelsea defence now come into a really difficult fixture run where, you know, they play Liverpool, Manchester City. They have two blanks. Um... In fact, I'm not. Has their match next week been cancelled? No, this. They've still got Wolves, so they they have a Wolves fixture next week, which is clean sheetable. They've got Aston Villa the week after that, and they've got Brighton the week after that. That's as long, I think, as you hold those Chelsea boys for, because after that they go to Liverpool, they go to Manchester City, they then go to Spurs, who. I could see Spurs scoring past them, to be honest. Son um, has been on good form. You know, the wing-backs, Regulon and stuff like that. They they could all be good picks. And then they, they go into two blanks and Crystal Palace after that. So if it's me, I'm looking to keep them until game week 21 and then I'll be selling all of them. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, because I, my and the thing is, I have a very interesting standpoint about it. I think now, as I have the the top hundred K label behind my name, I can speak and people will listen to me. So you know, I'll use this very, very, <laughs> very, very. I'm gonna milk this as much as I can, Callum. Just, just remember yeah. that. <laughs> just don't. Um, miss the first time I've ever been in it. Back below the one hundred K again, then people won't listen. Yeah, ex- exactly. That, that's that's the thing. I'm not trying to do that. No, but I think what has helped me like continuously see green arrows to the point where it oversets or sets my red arrows because as you have seen, my pattern has always been green arrow, red arrow, green arrow, red arrow. Mm. But yet still I've I'm able I've been able to steadily climb to the hundred the top hundred okay. Is because I've stuck I've really stuck to the plans that I made from early on. So when I wild card I never really wanted to double up on any kind of defenders. Um, I think if you see my squad, I, I, I've never really owned two defenders from one club for any extended period of time. Um, and that's mainly because I don't like that uh, occurrence where if a team concedes one goal, I lose effectively 12 points from two players because, well, not 12 points, eight points because of two clean sheets. Granted, of course, in any case, like for you today, 
Um, you have somebody like James who gets you uh, an attacking return. I never really wanted to depend on that from anybody else outside of Trent, which is why, you know, Trent has been a mainstay in my squad. Um, and I also wanted to trust individually somebody like Rudiger, who will eventually get you attacking returns. And he did literally the first day that I bought him. He got me like 15 points or 14 points, something like that. He got another 15 or 14 points a few weeks after that and then got nine points for two assists for getting two penalties. Um, <laughs> and those are all indications of how attacking he can be when he is um, in the mood. And he also somebody to have shots from like 50 yards or just because, you know. So those type of things I look at and I realize, okay, for the long run, Rudiger somebody I'll hold on to because I know he will have bad games. He will, he will concede, he won't do anything. But then he'll have the great games that will really offset the bad games. And I think that's what really has kept me going. And as somebody who's never owned Cancelo, never owned um, who's the other James in this entire season, I can safely say that you can see Green Arrows without them. So I think it's very interesting, the balance between it, because as Callum endured for the last, like, what, three, four weeks, James scored one point, you know? And in, I think in those times, especially the last, the latest zero points he had just before this return, um, Rudiger scored nine. So you see there that the balance comes in where if you trust, for me personally, because I trusted in one individual person, yeah, I will see red arrows sometimes. But because there will be such a disparity in the points returned, especially since they're depending on James's offensive returns, when Rudiger does return and one doesn't, you'll see a lot bigger green arrows. So I think um, for the long run, as you said, after game week 21, you'll be looking to remove some of them. I personally would recommend that um, for those who are really looking to consistently see green arrows over an extended period of time and not just chasing the individual weak green arrow, it's definitely worth looking at the whole body of work that that player can do for you over periods of time. Now, if you have some, um, uh, is it Guayhi from Crystal Palace, for example, who's consistently showing you that, hey, you know, He's blanking. Crystal Palace probably don't look good as a unit. Then that's probably an indication to move on. But in cases like Chelsea, who are not known to concede plenty, will get you um the their their centre backs and wing backs will get you attacking returns. I think it's um it's it's really really uh, beneficial to trust the long run process as well as the short run process. Because even Callum, you know, has benefited from trusting James. I know a lot of people sold him this week because he's just not, you know. He was on a bad run of form and he's getting zero points, one point. It was really looking horrible for him. And then Nuki came and returned with what it was, an assist and three bonus points. It's ridiculous. So um, I think that's there's something to add there when it comes to people like Liverpool assets and Chelsea assets. You don't necessarily have to own all of them. You can. It will be beneficial and you will get like massive green arrows in individual game weeks. But I think there's something also to be said about the long term um benefits of sticking to individual players it's like me salah trent mainstays rudiger mainstay diaz as well from city mainstay and i and the reason i'm doing that is because i know over the long run they'll gradually catch back up even if they don't get immediate attacking returns the consistency of returns and the occasional attacking return will add up so that's i think what really has helped me i think we could label that that section I just that I just um, ranted about under for those who don't own a James or a Cancelo, it's not necessarily that you're going to be behind the curve. You just have to look beyond probably just that one week where everybody but your defenders return and understand that there will be weeks where they don't return. A lot of people will be affected, and you have 
a Rudiger, you have a, a Diaz, and they return and they push you forward. So I think um, I think it really is interesting the the um, the almost contradicting or the converse ideologies we have. They're both working for both of us. I mean, Callum is uh, really high up in Iran, and I'm getting up there. So I think it's it's really worth noting that that also is uh, a possibility. But with that being said, and all you know, all that I've just ranted about, one of the things that we can't account for as FPL managers is you know COVID, and with cancellations now happening at a rapid pace, I think one of the things that we have to discuss is potentially things such as holding transfers, and you know tips for how to deal with postponement. Now, in terms of those postponements that take after the deadline, understand most of the times you will not. I mean, all the times you will not be able to do anything about that once the deadline has passed. But one of the things that I benefited from in this game week in particular, and I, and I think I believe last game week as well, was the fact that I held on to my chances until the last moment. So my two transfers last week really helped me. At least one of them helped me in particular. I held on to it until the last moment. I you know was able to see all the cancellations, all the COVID cases before I made my moves. Well, I know a lot of people took minus 8, minus 12, just because they had already made moves from earlier on and then had to deal with the repercussions what is what is your position now as you witness all this happen on holding transfers um are you definitely somebody who's going to preach hold them until the last minute are you definitely somebody who's going to be like if you you know see a transfer make it what is your stance now that you know we've experienced or that we've experienced uh, I think my 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 stance on transfers I think has remained fairly consistent over the course of this whole season. I think wait until as close to the deadline as you can. I know potentially we've we've actually got ourselves into um into sort of a bad habit maybe where we've been making transfers on the on the podcast like live. Maybe we should uh <laughs> stop doing that and um wait until the deadline. But so far, it hasn't. Luckily, it hasn't really affected me. But yeah, it's definitely sensible to wait right up until ten minutes before the deadline to make your move. Obviously, plan your move. Make make sure you know exactly what what you want to do. And yeah. if there's a situation that comes up where your match gets cancelled last minute, make sure you've got a backup plan in place. Say to say, you know, say for example, this week I'm bringing in Watkins from Aston Villa as an example, and I'll say to myself, right, if Watkins' game is called off, what will my transfer be instead? Do I then want to make a completely different move? Because if it gets called with 10 minutes to go till the deadline or 5 minutes to go till the deadline and you don't have a backup plan, you do what I did this week and you panic in a player that you don't want. So I think that's definitely the way to go for now. I would say if your team looks good and you have at least one bench player, definitely worth rolling a transfer um, because you don't know how many cancellations there are going to be next week. You know, obviously this week we've now seen that there are five games out of ten that are going ahead this this weekend and it really wouldn't surprise me if in the next two days that reduces down to three, four, two. Are they going to cancel the whole thing? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's definitely worth holding a transfer because if, if this situation had come up and Liverpool had been hit by COVID, Man City had been hit by COVID, Chelsea had been hit by COVID, then all of our squads, we'd be we'd be looking at having about two players um, fit for that weekend. So 
roll a transfer where you can. Wait, wait until the deadline if you can. I would. It's it's hard. Hits are really hard right now because, on the one hand, if you don't take a hit, you're gaining pretty much a two point advantage on your competition from the get go. At the same time, if everyone's taking hits, can you use it as a time to restructure your team? Maybe get rid of two or three players that you don't want and maybe you lose, you know, two points off the competition. Um, it's really hard to know what to do right now. And to be honest, there's probably no real answer other than get as much information as you can about what's about to happen and pray. <laughs> Hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. How, uh... how are you dealing with um, the cancellations coming up this weekend? Because obviously there are, there are five fixtures, but... Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal all play. A lot of people obviously have <clears throat> two, one, two or three Man City. People have triple Liverpool. People will have one or two Chelsea. People have one or two Arsenal. Um, even people now will have one or two Aston Villa. So most people have a good squad. If you didn't and you were one of the unlucky ones that maybe went to <clears throat> Everton with their fixtures, Crystal Palace with their fixtures... Um, a lot of players will have players from other teams who aren't playing this weekend. How how do you think you and other people should deal with it? I think um, we, we go with the same mantra. Uh, hold the transfers until the end. Um, I think I personally changed my position on transfers just a little bit because very, very ironic. I was one of those who would plan and make transfers, you know, very early on. Not uh, extremely early, but... I've definitely been caught in the situation where I buy a player um, early and he ends up getting injured. Thankfully, though, I never got hit with any COVID um, cancellations as yet to the point that it affected my, you know, the majority of my team. But um, I have been affected by making transfers too early. So I guess with postponements, a whole that transfer, if you have two transfers, it's, it's a God-given blessing. Um, and I think um, you definitely need to stay alert as to what's going on. I think with this upcoming week, we have to really stay abreast with what's, what the Premier League says because there is a chance that probably the entire game we could be affected with the amount of games that are already postponed. Um, and how thing it doesn't look like it's getting better. But if it, just, if it does go along, you're just going to have to count your losses. I think one of the things you're going to have to consider is if you are willing to take a, a hit, how many hits you take. What is the benefit of taking that hit? Is that hit, and I think that's a very good point, Callum made, and I'm going to reiterate it. Is that hit going to be like a plaster where it just covers up an injury but doesn't heal it? Or is it going to be like therapy where it's a consistent thing and even after the hit is taken, um, when the next week rolls around, it's going to be something that's going to improve your squad for that week as well? Um, because those things are things you don't want to repeat. You definitely don't want to get into the habit of taking hits every week. I, I definitely am benefiting now from not taking hits consistently. Um, and I think it's been something that's helping me move up the ranks as well, is that I'm not really taking as many hits as I was before. And but I also want a situation a lot of people find themselves in where they have to take or else they wouldn't have a, a sufficient playing eleven. Um, so I think those are things you're going to have to consider. Um, and how likely are you to get returns any player that you're taking a hit for? I think it's also very, very beneficial to 
gauge that you're gonna bring in a player who's almost guaranteed to bring you in more points that you than you sell is it somebody that you the person that you're replacing almost guaranteed to blank so for example me and rafina the reason i moved them out was because i didn't expect city to allow him much time on the ball i think for the game he was really really limited in the amount of touches he had something else i i predicted um and i knew that pep would not allow rafina to run the game that leads would want especially since he was mainly the the um the outstanding figure of, of offensively for, for leeds and as i said when when leeds are firing is usually through rafina if you if you put out that flame they get quiet so that's why it made sense for me to ship him out immediately and bring in somebody like Foden because I knew that the points gain would be. So that's something you're going to have to also consider for your hits. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, but again... There's an extra. Can, can I just add that, um, obviously, another thing to think about with hits is that you're risking the the player that you're hitting in not playing next week. What happens if their fixture's called off, then you've spent minus four points for one fixture. Um, that's just yeah. another thing to consider whether that four points is worth it. Yeah. Oh, By the way, love the analogy of um, the plaster band-aid and the therapy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, yeah. Is the hit for therapy or is it for a temporary plaster? I love it. <laughs> I'm My telling you, man, um, that's, that's, that's definitely going to be part of the title now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, because I think it, it, it fits. Um, I'm into you know, a little bit of physiology myself. So it, it works. Um, you don't want to be cheating an injury in the moment. You want to be cheating an injury over time because injuries take time. And that's the same thing that goes for your FPL squad. If your FPL squad has injuries and not like cuts, then you definitely want to take time to heal that, not rush to heal it immediately because nothing really works um, within the second. And that's usually what happens because if you try to rush it, then you usually get things that re-aggravate it. Um, things like the postponement, as you said, and you end up just buying him for a game, and all of a sudden you're dealing with an injury that is even worse than the one you originally had. So yeah, the, I think the analogy does fit because it 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 definitely describes exactly what will be taking place, you know, with the way you deal with it. But you know, that all being said, with the in the casing that you have to understand as an FPL player, there are things that will not go your way. You know, that's pretty fair. I'll always return to the example of Captain and Antonio when. Ronaldo scored two, Salah returned. I think Lukaku scored two. I owned, n I owned neither Ronaldo nor Lukaku, and I captain Antonio who was on a red card. Some things just don't go your way, and and Antonio was in in red hot form at that point. You know, was one of the I think he was the either highest scoring or second highest scoring Premier League player at that point, and he was definitely looking as if as if he was invincible. Captain them earlier, he got eight me get got me eighteen points. Um Captain him again got me a red card. So there are things that you just can't control. Um a player being substituted early, like with in this case with Callum and Bernardo Silva, he you you can't predict for that. You can't plan for that because you don't expect that to happen. Nobody expected Bernardo in a in a three nil route to be substituted at forty five minutes. You just don't predict for that. But you know, obviously it's an injury and we really couldn't there was something we couldn't tell. Um so you're gonna to have to understand that postponements are a part of that. You cannot control them. We had no clue that Leicester and Tottenham would have been postponed today. I'm pretty sure my score would have looked a little different had I got Vardy to play against Tottenham. I really was hoping to see him in action. I didn't get that. I was really hoping to see Dennis play as well. I didn't get that because his game was postponed. 
And those things I just couldn't control. I couldn't control Wilson also being on the bench after realizing that he would come onto my team. Um, and he benched in a game against Liverpool for no apparent reason. And, um, you know, those are the things I just can't control. You can't control who gets COVID either. So those are things that you're going to have to realize. And when things don't go your way, don't feel as if it's just the world is against you and everything is going wrong. Because that's not the feeling you have when everything goes right. You know, just remember the moments where everything does go right, your plans work. Remember that feeling and hold on to that even if you're going through a dark time because it, it, it gets it gets it gets really dark at some point. But just realize that you can control only what you can change and the rest of the rest of things you have to just really hope that chances with you because that's really all it is. So don't run yourself into the ground if things don't go your way because many things will not go your way for the <laughs> duration of the season. Um, with that being said, and especially speaking about things that don't go your way, let's let's really go quickly to our predictions because I really want to see how this went. I can't remember my predictions and um, I think we have to tally them. So we'll see how great we are telling the future. I was on fire at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the, the week with my Foden pick. Um, so let's see how ultimately that translated to our results. So, so... What what I'll do is I'll read out the predictions and you tell me the actual score lines because I can't remember. I remember the West Ham one and I remember the Liverpool one. I don't really remember any of the others now. So the first prediction was Brentford Manchester United, which was called off, wasn't it? So yep, I'll put zeros for that. So Norwich Aston Villa. So I went with one nil to Aston Villa and you went with nil nil. Um, Aston Villa one two nil. Okay, so it's a point for me. Um, I went with Manchester City 3, Leeds 2. And you went with Manchester City 2, Leeds 0. That was the 7-0. That was the 7-0. That was the big 7-0. Um, the point each. Uh, Brighton Wolves. I went with 1-0 to Wolves. In fact, we both went with 1-0 to Wolves. Both got that correct. Yes, yep. three points to both. Um... But uh, Burnley Watford that was called off. Yep. Is that correct. So okay, I put Burnley one Watford one. You put Burnley one Watford two. Uh, but yeah, that was called off. Uh, I said Crystal Palace three Southampton nil. You said Crystal Palace two Southampton nil. And the correct result. I got Crystal correct. There's two all. <laughs> oh, it was the Crystal Palace disappointment. How did I forget that? Yeah. No, you're right. It was too, oh, that was that was a horrible one. That one. So that's no points for either of us. Um, Arsenal West Ham. I said Arsenal two West Ham nil, which is spot on, I believe. You said yep. Arsenal one West Ham one. Yeah. Um, the next one was Leicester Spurs, which was cancelled. Um, yeah. Chelsea Everton. I said two 0 to Chelsea. You said two 0 to Chelsea as well. There's one on. That was one also no points for either of us. Uh, I said Liverpool seven nil. You said Liverpool four nil. Three one. Three one. So I think I said I think I messaged you at the time and said uh, I've predicted a seven nil correctly, and uh, I predicted Liverpool seven, no, uh, Newcastle nil, and it was turned out it was Manchester City seven, Leeds nil. So. Yep. I got a I got a prediction right for the wrong game. That was a bit yeah. that was a bit fun. Um, but overall, in that, 
I got nine points from seven. There was only seven games this weekend, wasn't there? On TV, yeah. uh, and you got five from seven. So I think that is a this is a Callum victory. Um, oh, yeah. at the end of the pod, we'll make sure we predict the um, thingies for the scores for next weekend as well. Definitely, I think Callum is running away with this right now. I need to get back. I need to get back. I, need I, think, to come this back. Is, I think this may be three 0 I think I've got a hat trick now. <laughs> we'll fix that. We'll fix that. All right. Um, <laughs> with that being said, let's go on um, to our transfers now. Lord knows, I these days I completely because what I used to do was immediately as the game week started and the game start the game started, I immediately pressed pick team and went to those fixtures to see if I could visualize transfers from early and then as the game week progressed, obviously I'll maintain. But these days, I must confess, I'm leaving that to the last minute because I'm not even like right now. My mind is not even focused on transfers. All I'm focused on is waiting to see news, waiting to see what happens, COVID results, all of that, if the games will continue going on before I focus on transfers. Um, but if things go perfectly, and I say smoothly, um, I think I'm the, in the same boat with you in that I will be looking to um, draft in Watkins. It's probably going to be for, uh, who's it, Wilson, um, you know, simply because of the price range, and I think... The, you know, it saves me a little money, I think 0.1 if I'm not mistaken, can't remember. But um, with think, that being said, it always... Wilson is uh, 7.4 and Watkins is 7.7. So I think you oh, actually yeah. lose 0.3. Oh, unless yeah, you're yeah, still wrong. impressed for Wilson's particularly high. I don't think... It might it be. be. I, I, I'll check. Let me check. But in any case, I'm money in the bank, so it gives me a sort of buffer. Um, because I believe that even if that is the case, let me tell you exactly what my selling price of Wilson is. Yeah, it is seven point four. Um, so just just to point out, obviously, that Wilson actually has a fixture with this weekend. So you might pick your team, and you find out that some of your other players might not even play. So I suppose it's worth before deciding on Wilson. He at least has a fixture right now, so he might be worth keeping. On the near term. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's why, again, I said I'm out, you know, my mind is not on fixtures and transfers right now. It's really just on news. Um, yeah. But that is, if, that is a transfer I think I'll be making. Other than that, um, if you can, do you have the, could you just relist the, the fixtures that are postponed, that are confirmed to be postponed? Um... I know. So I can read you the fixtures that are to be played, and I can work out the fixtures that are going to be postponed. Um, yeah, so at the moment, the fixtures we have are Aston Villa, Burnley, uh, Leeds, Arsenal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wolves, Chelsea, Newcastle, Manchester City, and yeah. Spurs versus Liverpool. Now, the fixtures that I believe are postponed. I should be able to get up shortly. There's one I know Palace. for sure that West Ham versus Watford is almost certainly off. Yeah. Um, so here we are. So we've got Manchester United, Brighton, which has been postponed. We've got Southampton, Brentford, which is postponed. Watford, Crystal Palace, postponed. 
Uh, West Ham United Norwich postponed. Um, and we've also got Everton versus Leicester, which is postponed. So oh. if you have any players from any of those teams, obviously a lot of people have Manchester United players. I think quite a few people might still have Sanchez in goal. Um, you know, possibly a Southampton player, one of their strikers. A lot of people might still have Tony and Mumo, uh, King, Dennis, Benteke, Guayhi, uh, Zaha, a lot of people have had. Waiter, a lot of people have had. Owen, um, Antonio. Yeah, I think... Probably too many Everton and Leicester assets, but all of those players miss out this week. So just know if you've got... Yes. If I've mentioned three names of any players that you've got... Oh, Gallagher, of course, he misses as well. Um, three, Any three of those players and you're looking at not having a bench. For me personally, I, I miss four of those players. So I've got Benteke, Guayhi, Bowen and Dennis and Backman. I've got five who are missing out this week. Yeah, I have five as well. Bowen, Gallagher, Dan Vardy, and Livermento. Which is going to be interesting because I only have one transfer. Just looking at Wilson, probably will have to stay on my team. Yeah, I'll I probably I, buy him If I can, because I've got a transfer in my mind and I, I kind of want to run it past you to know what you think. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite an interesting transfer I've got lined up. Well, that I've at least tried to think about. So I think I've got two options. Um, obviously, Bernardo's yellow flagged now. I don't suppose, as a Man City fan, you have any um, insight into what happened or uh, whether he's still yellow flagged now, do you? Um, just repeat, I, I didn't hear that quite clearly. So, Bernardo Silva, obviously he was taken off at half-time in Manchester yeah. City. It says muscle injury, 75% chance of playing. Have you have you seen anything on social media or anything like that to suggest what his injury is or whether he'll be back next week? Yeah, let me pull that up right now because I saw it on our... Because my, trans- um, my transfer yeah. is, if Bernardo Silva is injured, then I could consider Bernardo Silva to Sun, and I would downgrade Guayhi, who doesn't have a fixture, to um, a 3.8, like Amati, who does have a fixture, and obviously Leicester's centre-backs are now COVID-ridden, so he will at least play a couple of games. But yeah, ben- Bernardo Silva news would be required for me to, to make that transfer. Let me send it to you. Um, but let me okay. Well, let me answer the question. Is it's not an injury? It was a precaution. I just sent the picture to you so you can see it. Um, so it was more of a niggle than anything like that. It wasn't like he clearly was injured because he played very freely. There was no indication coming off the pitch that he was injured in any way. So it's basically a case of him going to the physio and letting the physio know that um he felt uncomfortable and really felt as if it'd be better that he doesn't continue because you know Pep didn't have the intention of substituting him. It was him raising the alarm and sitting he does feel a little uncomfortable. With that being said, and the fact that he was just for the entire 45 minutes and there hasn't been any news since really on like any um indication I got worse or it's more than they expected. 
I really do expect him to play next game because um, he is going to be viewed as very fresh. Um, and once Pep goes to the, the presser and says that everybody's fit, I'm assuming that he's going to start. Um, so just note that I do like the fact though that you can make this on, into two playing players, which makes sense. Um, mm. But you're going to have to weigh the risk of re replacing a Bernardo who could potentially return because he, I'm pretty sure he would have returned had he stayed on the pitch last week. He's probably going to do the same against Newcastle. So that is something to keep in mind. Um, and then, well, we know what's the case with Tottenham. We probably, they're probably very high risk to get postponed the game too. That's another thing. Um, so I guess that choice will be up to you. But that, that's the case right now with Bernardo Silva and his status on his injury. Okay, that's that's good to know. To be fair, um, if there was any way I could bring Kevin De Bruyne into it, then that would be absolutely lovely. Did you know? I was surprised to see that he's got forty-seven points this season. I was not expecting it to be that much. So I thought he'd only played about three games, but nearly every that's, game that's he's played in from the start, he's returned in. So that's just a little that's, interesting. That's how the king. That's what we call him, the king, Kevin. That king is what Kevin. happens when you, when you're King Kevin, you you return, and that that's the thing. I I'm just waiting for him to be playing consistently. Um, he has a great run of fixtures coming up. I am going to remove um funds to get him in because I know that he's and that's the thing with him. He will be a player that will get you goals and assists in the same game. And when City run riots and he's playing, he will be in and amongst it, regardless of what happens. He will be the engine that motors it. He will be getting assists. He will be getting goals. So that's the TI I have with him. And he's definitely somebody that would have been in my team from the start had he been in, had he been healthy. Simply because I know he's nailed. He's one of the few players that you can guarantee to be nailed once he's healthy in Pep system. And he's definitely consistent with him. So I would recommend if you have the funds, look to get him in very soon because he's going to be in for a lot more points. Play at hundred percent, um, but yeah, so that's it. That's the case there. Uh, um, in terms of, so in terms of planning for these kind of events, do you see, do you see any situation where you can, you will find using a chip like a free hit, for example, anytime soon, or that's just something that's going to be reserved for double gamings? That for me is something that's reserved for. Blank game weeks only. No, that free hit will remain firmly intact this season. Uh, I will definitely not be using my free hit. Even if I have five players playing, I would probably take a hit to get it up to seven or eight and hope for the best. Because further on in that season, when you've got double game weeks and blank game weeks, you can make up a hell of a lot of rank using your free hit on, at the right moment in a blank game week. Um, far more rank than what COVID will destroy, I would say, in a single game week. Mainly because everyone is affected by COVID in various different ways. So you could use your free hit now and make a nice team for one week, get your COVID-ridden team back, and then you don't have a chip available for the single game week. I think it was similar to what we were saying on the last podcast where 
using your free hit is like putting on a plaster or putting on a band-aid. I don't know what term you guys all use. We call them plasters in the UK. Uh, it, it's like putting on a plaster where you're covering your team up for one week. You're you're making it nice and comfy and you you take the plaster off and you re-injure yourself the following week because all of your players are still out. Um, the best way to do it is to, like you said, slowly rebuild, take out players slowly who aren't going to perform um, or aren't going to play and use the free hit later on in a single game week because at the moment every team has a lot of COVID but we'll see obviously there's exception if you had three players playing you'd use the free hit if you've got any more than five or six players playing don't use the free hit that that would be my general rule anyway obviously everyone plays it differently you might you might be really badly affected and you might have just your substitutes as part of your seven in which case you'd still free hit because they're not going to get you anything really realistically yeah because i i think i'm in a situation too I'm, I'm speaking from a standpoint where i haven't been badly affected by these postponements as yet thankfully and um you know, I haven't been really pushed to consider using those chips as yet. So I still have my free hits and, you know, bench boost and things like that. But it is something that might come up in the future and I really don't know, you know, I really don't know if I might find myself in a situation where it's three players I have and I have to use it. Because at then at that point, what happens for the long line when there's double game weeks and you might be missing two games instead of one? you know so it's really is a toss-up i think i want to hold as long as i can as much as i can and continue to try to work around not having to use it not having to waste chances and wait until the final moment to make my decision this game we cup upcoming here too with the number of games can so you know i mean that's nearly half my squad already gone and most of them are pieces that i was really looking to invest in for the long term so I guess I'll have to see about that. I might have to take a hit this week. You never know. So I guess that's that's the that's the kind of mindset I will go into. That I'm gonna try my best to um consolidate as consolidate as much as possible and hopefully um continue not to make any rash decisions. Um so yeah, I think on that note, um it was this game week in particular was a nice game week, um for me personally. Um, decisions that I made worked and people returned again. Um, so that's two games in a row where I had the majority of my team returning, which is you know, always a great thing. Um, I guess moving forward, I'm going to continue to aim to at least be able to field players that are a chance of returning, but not necessarily beat myself up if I don't get that opportunity because I know, you know, these post moments are things that are outside of my control. And I'm definitely going to aim towards, you know, maximizing my points definitely no it's a good idea because yeah at the end of the day everyone's being affected by by this and if you can you know take a hit fix your team or roll the transfer whatever you do as long as you're improving your squad in some way uh then you should be okay 
sure, if everyone's sure. going through COVID, that's the thing. Every every single person is going to have COVID-ridden players. So just finding the best transfer for your particular team is just the best way to solve it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and when you keep that in mind, you're, it's going to make you feel, it's going to help you, I guess. That's, that's what I'm trying to put it out there for because I don't want people to be losing their minds and forgetting, you know, the reason why they're playing the game in one week where they have, you know, everything not going their way because then it, then it becomes not fun and then it becomes a burden and then that's when you make, you know, you have a lot of people who don't want to continue. Um, and that's when the game ultimately loses value and you don't want that. It's a game that's fun and it produces enjoyment. There'll be times of sadness, sad, sadness, sadness, sadness. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in the long run, we hope to see more happiness than 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 pain. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good recap. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss before we end off with our um predictions? Um, well, I want I wanted to just quickly touch on the fact that Everton have an amazing fixture run coming up now. Um, yes, yes, yes. The the only reason I want to touch on it is because it's such a good fixture run. So, obviously, the next fixture is Leicester, which I believe is cancelled. After that, they've got Burnley, Newcastle, Brighton, Norwich, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Leeds, and Southampton. Um and even the two after that, they got Manchester City after that, which is not a great fixture. But then they've got Tottenham and Wolves, who, depending how the Everton assets are doing, I suppose you can reevaluate nearer the time. Uh, but they've got a, a set of nine fixtures there before the Manchester City game of really, really high. I was going to say high quality opposition, but I meant the opposite in that they've got low quality opposition, which is a high chance for them to return well. Uh, the problem we've got is that Everton don't really have any assets that are worth picking up at the moment. You might be able to squeeze Gray into your midfield. Um, he's the only option that I can see currently until Calvert-Lewin comes back. Once Calvert-Lewin comes right. back, though, because I think he's due back in game week 20. Well, 19 or 20, he's due back on the Boxing Day fixture, I think. He is definitely worth a look in because they will have such a nice set of fixtures and his first game back might be the Newcastle game. Might be the Southampton game, might be the Brighton game. I'm not too sure, but we should definitely keep in mind that Everton's fixture run from now until game week 25 is absolutely amazing. And given the fact that they're blanking this week, suggests that they'll have a game week fixture in there against Leicester as well. So they're for me. They're definitely the ones to target this week, and just a couple of others. Obviously, Manchester United go into a good run now of. Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves, and Aston Villa. And they play Brighton this week to kick it off. So they're good to go. West Ham as well, although their game this week is cancelled. They've got a nice fixture run pretty much up until week 24, 25-26 really. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to mention those. Chelsea now come into a really bad fixture run. Brentford and Brighton's fixture run is now over. They go into a difficult fixture run as well. So although we don't have those players because they're COVID-ridden, they also have bad fixtures. So jump off would be my advice right now. Um, 
even even Tottenham's fixtures don't look great. They go Liverpool, Crystal Palace. Um, actually, their their fixtures are okay. Ignore that. It's just the um, Liverpool fixture which is bad. But yeah, just just thought I'd mention that Burnley have an all right set of fixtures, but they get really hard after game week twenty three. So in five game weeks time, you'd be wanting to get rid of them more anyway. So I don't know if it's fully worth jumping on, but they have a nice set of fixtures. Um, but obviously. None of these fixtures really matter if uh, if they've all been cancelled. So play it, play it week by week. I wouldn't be planning on transferring more than three weeks in advance. There's no point. Things will change. There'll be double game weeks in 21. We don't know what injuries, COVID, all that will take effect. It's really difficult to plan transfers at the moment. So plan for one to three weeks, probably three weeks would be where I'd look at. And uh, anything beyond that's probably too far. Maybe one week's a bit short, really a bit short-sighted, but at the end of the day, you want players who are going to play at least rather than players who are getting their fixtures cancelled. So just, yeah, just bear in mind that there are good fixture runs, but you have to question whether they really matter too much at the moment. But yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all for me, really. I'm happy to, to jump onto the predictions now. There's only five games to predict, isn't there? So... Yeah, there is. Um, let me get them up. So I have the fixtures in front of me. Shall I go first this week? Because I feel like you go first most weeks. So I'm happy yeah, to say my predictions first this week if that's easier. Yeah, go ahead. Alright, so the first fixture this week is Villa-Burnley, and for me, I don't see how Villa don't run to run away, I'm going to say 2-0 winners in that one. Uh, I think the way Aston Villa have been playing have been has been particularly good. Um, Watkins, you can see in there. Uh, Murphy's look good. They've all got the Aston Villa way of playing at the moment does look really good. So the defender from Aston Villa wouldn't go and miss. Actually, I've seen a few people with cash in their team at the moment. Target, and they they look really good to go. They've got a really nice set of fixtures. But I'm going with two 0 this week. Yeah, I can't. You took my prediction out of my mouth. That was going to be my. Uh, I I completely agree with what you said. Um, two 0 to Aston Villa as well. Yeah. Aston Villa, perfect. Uh, the next one is Leeds versus Arsenal, and I'm going quite bold with this one because I think this could be a very good match. Uh, I'm going with Leeds one, Arsenal four. Um, I'm predicting this because Arsenal have looked very good recently. Arteta's clearly got them playing again. Uh, Aubameyang. Might have been a bit been a bit of a, a negative influence on the dressing room. Now that he's stripped of captaincy and, you know, no one really knew how they were going to play against West Ham because of the way that Aubameyang has had his captaincy stripped. Lacazette looks okay, I would say. Um, and they've got a nice front three at the moment of Saka, Odegaard and uh, Smith-Rowe and Martinelli sharing minutes. So I, I think they look really good going forward, and obviously Leeds are still injury-ridden. Again, Arsenal playing out from the back, and Leeds' press might make Arsenal make a mistake, which I think Leeds will score from. Uh, 
that's my prediction. What do you think? Um, so I think I'm in agreement with you in the result. I just don't think Arsenal will score four. I'm not. I'm. I like the brand of football they are playing, but I just don't have a feeling that in a game like this, they will run completely right. I I really can't base it on anything else. Or the fact that you know it's 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 the Arsenal we're talking about, and they're very very hot and cold at times when they're not supposed to be. Um, I think though they have shown a capability of scoring, but I just don't think that um, in this game I just don't get the feeling that with the way Leeds press. Um and the energy they put, Arsenal might be in for a little more of a fight than a four-one result. I'm gonna go two-one to Arsenal, um, as my prediction. Two-one to Arsenal. That's fine. Um, the next fixture is Chelsea Wolves. Now, for me, both teams are very good at defending. Um, from what I've seen, against good teams, Wolves lose one 0 and against weak teams, Wolves win one 0 So for me. That's a 1-0 to Chelsea. I'll go Mason Mount for the goal. You will go the other, other direction, and I will say that this will be a nil all because I just believe that... Um, I just believe that Wolves will be a little too much for Chelsea's attack. Um, I mean, you know, it was seen in the Everton game. They're not really that goal-scoring machine that Liverpool and Man City, where they go up against our weekends and they will completely annihilate them. I think against us a stronger defence now in a Wolves unit that is really, really defence oriented. I think nil all is gonna be a result that will fit the game. I think Wolves will get it right this time. They got it right for ninety five minutes against Liverpool. I think they'll they'll get it a little better this time around and close it out. So nil all. That's a good good uh, prediction. Um the next one is Newcastle, Manchester City, and it's your team, so you can go first on this one. Yes, 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 yes. Um, well, I mean, judging by that performance, I really should go bold here and just try to um, predict it off. But I'm going to go bold. With that attacking vein that I saw, it really did bring a tear to my eye because, you know, with the Aguero um, and uncles and everything, that's the city of all the goal-scoring machine that we will usually will annihilate teams. And then continuously go at them even after you know the game is already won, and that's just the entire identity Pepper's really built into us. I think with that kind of mindset and the fact that he is never relenting, he's always looking for more. I can see a goal fest against Newcastle. Um, and really barring a, a very horrid mistake from Thiago, I don't think Newcastle scoring in that game against Liverpool. So probably three 0 would have been the better result there. I can see City scoring five. So I'm going to go. I'm going to say 5 0 to Man City in a complete dominating performance. And I hope Man, that I the could... ball. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I wish I could send you a screenshot of what I've uh, predicted as well, because I had written down 5 0 to Man City. Um, so I'm going to have to stick with it, because, yeah, like you said, Newcastle defence is terrible. Uh, Manchester City, with De Bruyne back now, is looking really good. I can't really see anything else other than a. A big scoreline. I can't even see. Can't even see Newcastle getting near the Manchester City penalty area. Edison hasn't mm. had to do much over the last few games, so yeah, Newcastle nil, Man City five is definitely what I'd go for as well. Uh, the last one is Spurs Liverpool. So for me, 
this is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, Conte's now had a long time with those players. He should really be getting some performances out. Um, my prediction is 3-0 to Liverpool, and that's because I think Tottenham will try and defend, and I think Liverpool will score one past them. Tottenham then have to come out and play to try and get a result. I think Liverpool score again and again, and I think that'll be where they end. I could see three second-half goals, realistically, from the 60th minute, maybe. I can see uh, Tottenham keeping them out for a while, but Liverpool relent. They will they will fight. So I think, yeah, I, th- I think Spurs nil, Liverpool 3 is my prediction. Wow. That's exactly what, what you? That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Um I probably Um that is exactly what I was That is exactly what I was gonna predict. And that's that's a tough part. Because I'm trying to find a way in which I could spin this and probably give you a different prediction. Mm-hmm. You can say for no Liverpool. Um mm-hmm. you see and my, my thinking was that um because be- I think it's actually the reason why um you had stated earlier with Conte having more time with his squad. I think that might actually work against them because they're not getting game time. This first team. In particular, they've had a few games now in, in a row cancelled. So um I think that's gonna play a heavy toll on people, especially like Kane, who was already not in bad form, was not already was already not in good form. Um, to not play games now is going to be detrimental to him. And then Son, who was picking up on form after coming off an injury, now can't get game time. And then Conte is not able to, you know, reproduce what he's been doing in the chain long in actual games because they've been called off. I think he's going to throw off what he was planning on. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to stick with my team to Liverpool just because I think Liverpool as a team who, again today, scored three goals in a game, um, which is bang on their average have just continued their scoring ways and I don't think I could see them stopping you know, against the top time. It's going to be very, very evident. Definitely. No, I, I think that's completely fair. And actually, I think it's me that's going to change my prediction. I, I'm actually going to go 3-1 to Liverpool because I just remembered that Van Dijk is out with COVID. So he won't be playing in the game. And that might open up their defence a little bit. Obviously, we saw how shaky Liverpool's defence was last year. So actually, yeah, I'm going 3-1 to Liverpool, so let's see if that comes in. Right. Maybe even yeah. Tottenham score first against the run of play in the first half, Sun, and then uh, after that they kick on. Oh, yeah, that's that's all of them. That's the only five games for this week. So I think at that point, um, yeah, if there's nothing else you wanted to add, um, Callum. Um, no, thank um, Thank you all for reaching to this point. Um, we always appreciate the feedback and the comments. Continue to send them in. Let us know if you are interested in joining. We really are open to anybody coming in. The podcast really gets vibrant and really gets interactive when you know listeners and people in our main league and people who listen in general. Um, joining and joining in the discussion, we wanted to make wanted to make this a space where FPL players can come and give their opinions, tips, listen to advice. Um, and all around, make the game a lot more enjoyable for a lot of us. 
Um, hopefully this causes a lot more green arrows for folks and it serves as a tool that you use before you make your decisions um so with all that being said we you know continue to hope that covid doesn't have its way really you continue to see green arrows and we all make it towards a better ranking next week um so i think that's all from me perfect yep Thank you, everyone, for joining. Much appreciated. We'll catch you next week. We'll be here. And enjoy your holiday, Don. I think you're going away, so safe flight, safe journey, and uh, enjoy. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, same to you. Enjoy the holidays coming up. Um, and safe journeys to have all those traveling, safe journeys, and safe celebrations for all those celebrating Christmas. We hope that you all stay safe and stay healthy. We have a good call. Definitely.